Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G. I'm Jenny G. Cousins, your host and producer of the show. Now, in order to catch my podcast and podcast and show, you're going to have to subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast in order to catch these interviews and all of the other content on my channels. I'm on over 16 different platforms and expanding. So one way or another, you're going to be able to catch this. Now, if you feel, by the way, that you have a story that you would love to share with me and others that's inspiring or something that you really feel, you know what, I really want to talk and share, let me know. Send me a message because you just never know when Jenny's just going to reach out and say, let's do this. I'm listening. So on today's show, I'm going to first, before I introduce him, read you just a little bit of his bio. And you're going to understand why I had to talk to this gentleman and why his story is extraordinary. So my guest today is um, Byron Lacey. And Byron was born in Burnett, Texas on March 21st, 1950. He is a fourth generation Texan. Byron's great grandfather, George W. Lacey, came to Texas in the 1850s. George and two of his business partners donated the granite to build the current Texas state capital. He also started a dog breed, which is now called the Blue Lacey and is the state dog of Texas. Byron is a fourth generation abductee and had a relative that was institutionalized because she insisted little men came into her room at night sometimes and spoke with her. He was first visited in 1955 when he was five years old and the visits have continued all of his life. Now, Byron is an artist, musician, and writer. He has also spent 13 years working for the Texas Department of Human Services, doing interviews of people for government benefits, and worked three years for Texas Department of Child Protective Services, services as an investigator of child abuse allegations. Now, Byron has used his knowledge from CPS investigating to investigate his own abductions and contacts. Byron's written three books. His poetry book is A Night is a Constant Lover and a S-I-F-I novel, sorry, Heroes sci-fi novel, Heroes and Villains Down the Halls of Time, the Legend of Spiny Weezer, and his nonfiction book, Chosen, Chronicles of an Alien Abductee. Now, Byron is also a musician and writes experimental electronic music on synthesizers using inspiration from music introduced to him by aliens and has seven CD collections of music on Amazon. In 1976, Byron received a Bachelor's BS in, in English. Bachelor's what is it, Byron? BS, ba Bachelor's. Bachelor's of Science. There you go. Sorry, in English. In 1977, he received an MA in Graphic Arts, and in 1978, an F MFA in Graphic Arts. He has paintings and sculptures exhibited in galleries and museums throughout the United States. Now, Byron lives in Texas, where he spends his time writing, creating sculptures and all art, studying psychology, creating music, researching alien abductions, and helping abductions, ab abductors. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Byron is here to share his story and experiences of being abducted by the aliens and what has happened. And he's going to share different experiences that he has gone through. And thank you for taking the time today to speak with me, Byron. I'm, I'm very grateful to hear your story and your experiences. 
So I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Of course. I find you very interesting, like a very interesting person. And I thought I want to share your story and experiences because I know there's many other people out there who have gone through their own experiences who have been abducted by UFOs and aliens themselves. And some people are too scared to talk about it, you know, where some people are going to be like, wow, I really connect with him. So, yeah, so now in, in 2009, you were at a stoplight in front of a Walmart and you saw an UFO, like what happened? Well, it wasn't a UFO. But I was stopped at this lot getting ready to go home after eating dinner in town. And a disc about a foot a foot up and a foot across suddenly appeared at the end of the stoplight. And then it expanded to six feet or seven feet across and up and down. And it was swirling like water, like the Stargate in uh, the movie Stargate. Only it didn't have a structure around it. It was like it was this solid water or plasma disc. And I was I was looking at that, and I looked at the cars all around me and the people. I could tell nobody saw it. I closed my eyes and opened them, and it disappeared when I closed my eyes, and it was there when I opened them. I moved my head. It didn't move with me. So I knew it wasn't inside of my head. And then the light changed to green and it exploded like water all over, except that it was gone before it hit the ground. I went home and I talked, called this friend of mine who he was into researching UFOs and aliens, the Illuminati, all kinds of stuff. And I told him what happened and he didn't have anything to say. Now, I had told him everything that had ever happened to me, all the strange things since that I remembered all my life. And he um, he didn't have anything to say. So, excuse me, I headed home. And the next week on the exact same day, at just about the same time, the exact same thing happened again. I happened to end up stopping at that stoplight and that thing appeared. So, and it played out the same way. Nobody saw it. It blew up and disappeared and it didn't make any sound. And I went home. This time I didn't call my friend. And uh, the next day I went to his house because we would walk along the creek for exercise. There's a nice path in in town along our creek. And uh, I told him it happened again. I told him about it. He didn't say anything. And we got to his house and went in and sat down and talked for just a minute. And then I got up to leave and I just couldn't leave without finding out what he thought. So I stopped and I said, hey, uh, you haven't said anything. What did you think that was? Because he always had an opinion on everything. And he said, do you want to know? I said, well, yes, I want to know. He said, are you sure you want to know? I said, I'm positive. He said, all right. I think you're an alien abductee. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, you're crazy. And he turned around to the, his computer and he got some things and wrote them down. And he handed it to me and it was some web addresses. And he said, when you get home, you look at these, look them up, and read them. So I took them home, tossed them on the desk, and went and watched TV. And for about five days, they kept going, have you looked at those sites yet? Have you looked at those sites yet? My answer would always be no, and I had some excuse. Well, I got tired of him bugging me, so I looked at one. And it had 99 questions. And it said if you answered like 80% of them yes, then there's a chance that you're an abductee. Well, I answered all of them yes, except for the ones that were specifically for women only. And there were two other sites, and I found the same thing, and I answered them the same way. It was all yes. And then I also found a link to a, a website about PTSD 
which I knew nothing about. So I went and looked at all that and realized I've had PTSD for most of my life too. Mm -hmm. so, Sorry, go on. No, that's okay. Because on, on April 24, 2009, you, you also felt someone move your bed and then you found yourself in a sort of a cloth or something. Can, like what happened? Was I in bed? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you were in bed and you found yeah. yourself like in, in sort of a cloth or something. I was meditating. Well, I may not have the right story. There's so many of them. But at that time, I was meditating and I had a pillow over my head. And I was in a pretty deep trance. But all of a sudden, I felt two hands around my ankles. And they jerked me out from under the pillow. And the pillow was still there in the shape of if I'd been lid laying under it. And I wasn't. I laid there for a long time and I didn't want to open my eyes because I didn't want to see who was in my room but finally I did and there was nobody there is this anything like what you were asking me about yeah yeah because I know you have many 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 experiences and stories right yes yeah I have a long resume oh I I know it, it's extensive it, it's absolutely extensive right um because you also found yourself like on a table like an, an examination table of some sort and um you, you saw three aliens in front of you like can you can you share about that yes this was after i realized i was abducted after i talked to ace about it and uh i decided we we also knew pretty much that i had implants because so many things have happened to me that they had to know were going to happen ahead of time to rescue me. And um, well, I thought if they're doing if they're doing stuff to me, they're bound to be getting something. So I should get something. It should be reciprocal. So I decided on a sentence I wanted to say over and over again, and I figured if nothing else. I would drive them crazy saying the same thing over and over and they would do what I wanted. So I went out under in a clearing in my backyard. I live in the woods sort of, and there's a clearing under the power line and I walked back and forth and I did it for six hours a day saying, I want to know what you're doing to me. I want to know if I'm crazy. I want to know if this is really happening. What are you doing? I did that for five days, not six. Five days, nothing had happened. And then that night I was supposed to play at a little restaurant near my house, the Country Kitchen, which is no longer there. But I had my guitar and I was going to sing some country music. And this was the first time I'd played in uh, 20 years. So I went in and started and I started forgetting all the words. And I would make them up. So I was making up the words to all these songs and everybody knew of them. And a, a man came out of the audience and he said, I play guitar. Give me your guitar and get your words out of your guitar case. And you just sing those words and we'll finish up your set. And the, the last song we did was Hey, Mr. Spaceman by the Birds, which is sort of a country song, but it's about aliens. Well, I got everything loaded up and came home and I tried to go to sleep. It was about midnight and I couldn't get to sleep. So I put in a CD that I meditated to for a long, long time that plays. It's not really ambient music, but it be it would be related to it. And it has a rhythm in it that helps put you into a lower state of consciousness or a higher state of consciousness, however you want to look at it. And I started listening to that and all of a sudden, I was in a hammock, and the hammock was hung from side to side instead of end to end, and it felt like it had blankets in it, some blankets, and I even looked at one, and it seemed to have a pattern that would be like a child's blanket, and I put my hands back on the, the opening, 
and I pulled myself out and I couldn't see very well. And I reached up, I was going to clean my glasses. And that's when I realized I didn't have any clothes on, just like when I'd gone to bed. And I didn't have my glasses on, just like when I'd gone to bed. Then I heard a noise. There was an open door, although it didn't seem to have any way to close it. So there was an opening and about three or four foot wide. And I heard a noise. And I had just realized that I was on an alien ship. In fact, I said, I got it. I'm on a ship. I'm on a ship. Yay. And then I heard that noise and I went, I'm not ready to see the aliens. Then I was, everything went black and then back up, just like in a movie. And I was laying on this metal table and there were these three little guys down towards the end, just like the ones I'd seen in uh, Anthony in 1955. I mean, in Seagaville in 1955. And um, there was another being in there who was about seven feet tall, and he had this biggish head, and he was wearing a robe. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I was getting ready to freak out when he said, don't be afraid. You know, he said it in my mind. He didn't say it out loud. But when he said it, my whole body just calmed down because he had actually controlled my body. It wasn't his words that had made me feel good. Then I somehow split into two. I was on the metal table and I was aware of that. And I was in my bed and I was aware of that. And I was looking at me like the whole wall was gone and it was the ship. And um I was looking at that, and suddenly the picture got narrower and narrower, where it was just me from my neck down to my knees. I couldn't see my head or my feet. Then it changed into black and white, like a or grayscale, like a black and white movie. And then I could see inside of myself, like an x-ray, and... I related this to my friend Daryl Sims, and he told me that the aliens can see an X-ray, and they can make us see an X-ray if they want to. They can project anything into our minds that they want to do. And he's the alien hunter, and he helped me a lot to get used to all of this. He is in Houston. I got in touch with him. Anyway, I could see inside of my body, but I couldn't see the aliens. They were just off screen. And I couldn't see the big guy. He was off screen. And then they put a tube up into me. And I could see that. And it went in about two feet. And then I was wide awake. In my bed. And I rolled over and went to sleep. Which is very unusual. It always takes me 30 minutes to an hour to go to sleep. But this, And in fact, it had taken a long time before this happened. But right after that, I just went right to sleep. Then I woke up in the morning and I went, wow, I was on the alien ship. I've seen the aliens. And then I started crying and I didn't feel sad. I didn't know why I was crying. I cried for a good 30 or 45 minutes and then finally it shut off. And I figured that somehow it had unleashed unconscious feelings or something. I didn't know. That was my explanation to myself. Then later that day, well, after the crying went over, I drew the guy that I saw on a piece of paper that I kept by my bed to write anything down from dreams. I drew his picture as best I could. It's sort of childish looking. And I put it in my pocket. And later that day, I went over to my friend's house and I told him what had happened. And then I said, now, I know this had to be a dream because I drew this guy and there's nothing like him anywhere. I'm sure. So he got it, and then he turned around to his computer and typed in, <laughs> turned back around, and he said, look, and there was just like my drawing, only it was that a child had done, the same creature, and it was called a mantis being. So, and I also knew from several other times that I've heard this voice that it was his voice. So he had talked to me before I even knew he existed. Wow. So I found out that wasn't, that that was real. 
Yeah. I mean, you would, you would sense it. I mean, it's not like the normal person has those types of dreams, you know, like we all have our dreams and messages, but, but that's very real. Like that, that is something very real, you know, like, did you ever sense, um, like, or have that feeling before that something was going to happen or that you were, you know, you didn't know what it was, but, you know, cause sometimes we have that, I don't know what's going to, I get that, you know, I feel there's something going to happen to me and all of a sudden I'll hear dates and I'll write it down and then something more extraordinary happens that day or, you know, things like that. Do, do you ever feel watched by, by the aliens and such, or like have that? Well, I know I'm watched by 24 seven. Yeah. But for a while, I would start feeling really sped up, really sped up. And it would be like, I'd be driving 70 miles an hour, the speed limit. And it would seem like I was crawling along and, um, that night or the next morning I would wake up with bruises or punctures. So for a little while, I was knowing before then that I was going to be abducted or yeah. contacted. Yeah. Do you ever have nightmares like of like your experiences? Like you wake up like screaming, like, Oh my God, what's just happened? Like out of fear in that or. I used to have tons of nightmares, but I've not had any nightmares in a long, long time. Yeah. Where like your nightmares, like more kind of connected with their energy and, and what they have done to you and such like that, or. I don't think one of my nightmares that I remember very vividly is I was in this big deserted city and I realized somebody was following me and I ended up going up on top of a building that had so much dirt piled up on it. It was like a uh, mountain almost. I climbed the very top. And it followed me and it, it looked like a human and it wouldn't get away. I ended up picking up a, a rock and pounding its head in and killing it. And then I woke up instantly and I was late and I had to go to work. Wow. So I go to work feeling like I've just killed somebody. <laughs> it was very interesting. <laughs> like, are, like, are you okay? Like, um, you know, to communicate, you know, with them right now? Um, or do you want to be like, you know what, I just want to stop all this and cut off any and all communication at all? Oh, no, they've saved my life 10 times. Yeah, I don't want them to go away. Yeah, I wouldn't be here. I made it yeah. when this all happened. I made a long list, which you've had the resume of everything yeah. that ever happened. I started going, this wasn't God. This wasn't angels. This this is all aliens. It's a pattern. Yeah. And just knowing that they'd say me so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think they chose you? Like, do you, you know, do you, do you have any inclination of why me like at all or just. I, um, I'd asked them many times. I had a reading done by this lady in England and she would do it on a tape recorder and an MP3 and send it to you. You'd send her questions and some numbers and stuff. And she said, now you're going to think, and it was right at the end of the reading. Well, first off, let me say, I had had two different readings in two years and everything she had told me had come true. And this was towards the end of the year and everything had come true except this one thing. And of course, it couldn't really come true in a sense. It wasn't something that happened to me. She said, you're going to think this is funny. And she made this sort of British laugh. And she said, you're one of them. Yeah. And so I, I decided she's been so right about everything. I'm going to try and find out yeah. if I can feel feel that. And I got into a deep trance and I thought about the way I've never fit in, the way I'm different from everybody, the way I was different from my whole family, uh, just all this kind of stuff. I thought about everything. And I suddenly, intellectually, I thought I probably am. And then I started feeling like I was. And I was in a really deep trance, but all of a sudden I couldn't feel my heart. I couldn't feel my breathing. I couldn't feel anything. I didn't feel my body, except I did feel two fingers that reached into the very back of my skull where the brain and this 
the spine meat and it grabbed hold of me and I was an orb and it pulled me out and I was in this immense blackness and then a grid of light appeared in front of me and I think it was there to give me a focal point. I could actually see 360 degrees which I can't even conceive of now, even though I was doing it. I can't even imagine it. And then there were three, there were three beings that looked like men in robes, except everything was made out of light. And they were up against this grid. And I figure they would have been seven or eight foot tall if they were standing up. And a disincarnate voice said, the council of three. And then it was gone. And the one in the middle, who I could tell he was speaking for all three of them, he said, we've been waiting for you to discover this. We're very proud of you. Mm -hmm. And then all this information started pouring into my head super fast. And it, it actually made a sort of a screeching sound, like when you used to dial up a computer through the phone lines yeah. to the yeah. internet. Yeah, it, it was just like that. And yeah. uh, I couldn't really grasp, hold on to anything. I held on to one idea and and then it was all gone and I was awake in my bed. And the idea that I held on to was it had said. The interest on your debts are the chains of your slavery. So for three years, I put all of my extra money and everything onto credit cards and got my car and got totally out of debt because it just seemed very important. Yeah. And uh, over time, different things have suddenly, it's almost like I have an idea, but I'm going, there's no way for me to have that idea. It, it's <laughs> from some of the things that I was put into me. Yeah, yeah, because because back in 1955, you had mentioned you had a a memory of of being in in contact with the aliens. You call them pirates. I I didn't know any different any any difference. Yeah, we didn't watch aliens on TV. My parents never talked about them, although they knew about them. I'm pretty sure. Um, and my favorite book character cartoon character we didn't have a tv so it was in a book was captain hook and peter pan well i was in bed mom had just put me into bed and she had left and asked if i wanted the light in the hall left on i said yes so she left the light on and then i turned around to lay down and there were three little men or beings standing at the foot of my bed it came up to their chest their shoulders and head was showing and i yelled to mama because there weren't supposed to be any people in my room especially that small and she came in there and i told her what i saw and everything and she tucked me in and told me to go back to sleep the next night the same the exact same thing happened the night after that, the exact same thing happened, except this time she sat down on the bed and she said, son, if they come in here, don't call me again, because when I get here, they're going to be gone. And you're just going to have to learn to deal with them yourself. So she left the room and I watched her leave and I turned around and there they were. Plus, there was some really tall guy that looked like Captain Hook. He looked like he had a big hat on. And now I've realized it was the big head of the one I saw in the spaceship. And he looked like he had a pirate shirt on, which was actually his robe. And um, I couldn't see his legs because of the darkness of the room. But it seemed like he danced around in a way. He moved real funny. And the bed started twirling. Well, first, I couldn't move. Yeah, it was like I was tied down, but I wasn't tied down, but I couldn't move. Yeah, and the bed Frozen. started to slowly twirl, uh -huh. and the room got bigger. Now, of course, it's impossible for the room get, to get bigger, so I was obviously on this ship, 
but I didn't know that. They were making me see this. So the room got bigger. I was twirling around and around slowly. And the little guys were moving with the bed, too, as if they were glued to the side of it. The big guy was dancing around. And then I was just about to start screaming when it all stopped. Yeah. The bed was the right size. The room was the right size. And they were gone. And I laid down and pulled my covers over my head, my pillow over my head. And it wasn't that they scared me. It's just they were so weird. And I decided I didn't really want to ever see them again if they showed up. So I was going to cover my head. And I did every night from then on. Yeah, because your mom wouldn't even go back to your room, you'd mentioned. She yeah. Knew it was she knew yeah. about them. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't feel comfortable to go back into your room. She could probably sense something, but really didn't want to get involved with it. Like, were you ever scared? Like, did you feel like, you know, I, I can easily go into my room, no problem? Or did you kind of have that, I don't know if I should go into my room or? Mainly. I wanted the closet door closed. In fact, I closed the closet door until I was about 35. And then I went, this is ridiculous. So I <laughs> purposefully started leaving the closet door open and nothing happened. But that was the main thing about my room is I wanted the closet door closed. Yeah. And I never saw them come out of the closet. I don't know why, but that's the way I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So now in 1963, you got hit by a car when you were on your bicycle. What happened? It, it's funny. Everybody was telling me that it was a miracle right after it happened. When I'm going, because I'm, I'm riding on the street with a bike in front of me and a bike behind me. And I noticed this car has just crossed over the yellow line and is coming straight for me. And I didn't even know what to do. Then I was on the ground and I was rolling backwards and I would see the, the tire, the bumper, the light, the sky, the ground, the tire, the bumper, the light, the sky three times. And then my body straightened out all on its own. I couldn't, I couldn't move. In fact, if I could have moved, I would have killed myself. Yeah. Something, you know, I would have messed it up. I couldn't move and my body straightened out. And I flew between the top and the second wire of a barbed wire fence. And, you know, they're about a foot apart. And I got a little cut on my arm. And um, I landed in the pasture, which had thick grass, which actually burned the next week. And, and at a visit, the doctor said if that grass had been burned before I fell, I'd have been dead because it cushioned my fall, maybe. That was his opinion. Well, I couldn't find my glasses, and this policeman was standing there, and he, he was the crossing guard, sort of, and he held me down and wouldn't let me get up. He said, you could be hurt and not know it. And he found my glasses and put them on me, and uh, he said, I've called an ambulance, and they're on their way, and they're going to pick up the mother. So they got there very quickly, and they put me in the ambulance. Even though I tried to walk, they wouldn't let me. And I did have a sprained ankle. So they, they put me in the ambulance and we drove to Kaufman. We lived in Stigaville. We drove to Kaufman and my parents, my father met us there. He had gotten off work early. And both of my parents were sort of shook up, even though I wasn't. So it turned out I was hit by my teacher's husband. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, dad said, and they, they brought me some tulips and some divinity. And I'd never had divinity candy before, so I thought it was fantastic. So dad told me that they had bought me a new bicycle. And I said, um, I don't want a new bicycle. My, my bicycle is perfectly fine. And he said, okay. Well, just wait till we get home because he didn't want to argue with me and I can be stubborn. So I had to spend the night to make sure that there weren't any injuries that weren't showing up. They gave me a tetanus shot. 
they didn't do any x-rays and the next morning I was fine and by lunch I was able to go home and dad had come and got me and mom was with him and he had skipped work again which was unusual so we um or not skip but taken off we got to the house and he's we're getting just about to get to the house and he starts talking about my new bike again and i once again start telling him i don't want a new bike my bike's great now in, in those days bikes were made out of steel they weren't aluminum yeah. you know they were steel and they were hard and um we pulled up to the house and there was my new bicycle, which was an American flyer with streamers, a light, a pumper, uh, the gas tank thing, fake gas tank that they had on them, red and white, beautiful, big bicycle. And I said, we got on the Porsche and I was looking at it and I go, wow, now I've got two bikes. And my father said, come with me. <laughs> and he led me around to the side of the carport. And there was the bike, and it was leaning against the wall. If you had looked at it from above, it would have been like that, mm. like a crescent moon. With the seat, the very center of where it had gotten hit and bent like that. And I laid it down on the ground, and it was about a foot and a half. The seat was about a foot and a half off of the ground when the bike should have been laying mostly on the seat and then leaning on one wheel. So somehow that bike got hit and I didn't. Wow. My only suspicion is I wasn't on that bike during mm -hmm. the brief second that it got hit. Yeah. And I have a memory uh, or an event happened a few years later when I was in high school, I worked at Branson's grocery store and one of the kids had to go up on the roof to check out something about the air conditioner and i went with him and it was it's a 20 foot tall building or more than that a huge building an old brick building and i suddenly knew exactly what it looked like up there before i got up there and i even knew that there were two old air conditioners that were just disconnected and shoved over to the side. And sure enough, that was the case. Well, later I had a brief memory of being on the ship, flying from where the bike was in an arc over the store, like they were letting me see it, and then back. But I don't remember any of that clearly. Did so you that, like I what think is what happened? Like whenever you like knew or had that really strong sensation you were on the ship, did you see anything on the ship? Like what it looked like inside or? It was just very plain. There was some kind plain? of box. Yeah. Plain, very plain. There was some kind of box in the center with one of them sitting at it. And I was actually looking through the wall. Part of the wall became transparent. So, so what did like, you know, what, what's your clearest like vision of, you know, what one of the greys or the aliens look like, you know, do they, do they wear clothing or do they, um, you know, are they a certain height roughly or, or are they like different sizes? And They were about four feet tall and they were, whatever they were wearing, it was seamless it, it didn't look like skin, but it didn't look like clothes. And yeah. it meshed with their just seamless. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Could you tell if they did? Yeah. Could Could you tell if it, it was a male or mean. female or? No. No. Okay. Did you feel calm? Like whenever you were on the ship, like, were you like, okay, this is, it feels normal. It feels okay. Or were you like, oh my gosh, I'm really nervous or. I was oddly calm. Okay. That's a but good sign. When I, when I went on the one that I told you about first, I was calm until I heard them. And okay. but then I was calm again because they made me calm. Hmm. Yeah. Because you heard something and, and it, you know, and then you're like, oh my gosh. And then 
you just felt this kind of calmness and peace and such like that. Well, actually, everything faded to black, and then it came back, and I was okay, and I was laying on the table. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel any pain in your body at all when you're laying on the table? Like, did you know what they were doing? Did they communicate to you and say what they were doing? or No, but I see, I was perceiving it from my body in my bed, even though my body was actually on yeah. the ship. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you hear um, when you would have an opportunity to die? Because I read that on your resume that you you heard that there would be some opportunity for you to die. What was what was that like? Can you explain what, what happened? Or <clears throat> I was partly lying to myself. Not about that though. That my life was really miserable. I mean, I didn't want to be alive in a way. So I invented this exercise or this experiment because I thought there's got to be a way where we can get out of our bodies to the area, to the land of dead, death, whatever you want to call it, and not die and come back. And I, I meditated. I got into really deep meditations for several months. And then I came in to lay down to meditate. And this voice said, you're going to be given the opportunity to die. And I thought, what am I thinking that for? That is so weird. Even though I've been trying to do that, sometimes I can be stupid. <laughs> and um, so I laid down, meditate, everything's fine. Next night, once again, the same thing. I laid down and meditated. The next night, the third night, there was nothing. I didn't say anything, nothing. And, but it was still the third night. I got into a really, really, really deep meditative trance. In fact, I lost total contact with everything. And then a wall of light opened up next to me. And I thought that, oh, the light opened up next to me. And then Everything started leaving me, all of my hangups, my fears, everything bad that had ever happened to me from people, trauma from my childhood, everything just was flowing away, which I think is like what we call the review. Yeah. You know, you have a, well, it's things that are connected to your ego and they're not going to be able to go with you anyway. I don't think it's for a lesson, but it would be a lesson if you did a lot of bad things. But yeah. I didn't experience anything like that except things that had been done to me or the way I've been treated by yeah. my father. And yeah. all of that went away and I started feeling smaller and smaller and smaller and lighter and happier. And I was about the size of a pencil lead and I felt really fantastic. And then I thought, I can go into that light if I want to. And then I go, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go or not. I mean, what if I come out and I'm having a heart attack? I'm 15 miles from town. I, I probably wouldn't live. And here, of course, I've been wanting to die for months. And so, or I thought I had. So I, um, I said, I'm not going to go. And then this voice, which turned out to be the same voice I heard on the ship, that I'd heard other times it said, huh, you've been wanting this, and now that I've gone to the trouble to get it for you, you're not going to go. And it laughed three times. Ha! Wow. And each time it laughed, the, the wall of light turned into a sphere, and then it got smaller and smaller and was gone. Mm -hmm. And I was wide awake. Wow. If if you knew before any of this experiences that you've that you've had and that you've been through, if you knew before, like if somebody told you or God or whoever told you, okay, you're going to go through these um, abductions with the aliens and such like that, would you have said, would you have, and they're going to be like, you know what, are you okay to go through that or do you not want to do that? What would you say? What would you say if that was presented to you before? And even now, what would you say? Are you glad you went through that? Or are you like, no, I don't want to ever want to go through that? 
I never wanted an ordinary life. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and and on top of that, I feel that before I was born, yeah. I agreed to all of this, yeah. that it was set up, that everything was set up. Yeah. Every important event in my life, I agreed to, even if it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure one of the things I knew after the, after time from that download was I had volunteered to come here, but I was going to come as a walk-in. This body had cancer when it was two and a half years old. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to get into the body while it was on the operating table because the soul that had been born in it didn't want to stay here for those two and a half years. I mean, only wanted to be here two and a half years while life was good. And then it wanted to leave. Well, it changed its mind and didn't want to come at all. So at the last minute, they put me in and I was born here. Yeah. And yeah. if I had been a walk-in, I would have had many more psychic abilities than now. Yeah. Yeah, because you, I was reading on part of your resume as well that your body had froze up for six hours when you were at Camp Vickery in Texas. Like, what happened? Oh, well, we had been out playing guitars. It was on a weekend, and um, we played guitars every night, but we stayed up extra late, and the, the few kids that stayed there were up, excuse me, with us and I would sing and play guitar and the rest would play guitar and some would sing with me and then some other body else would sing well we went to bed about one o'clock we set up extra late everybody had to go to their rooms go to bed I got in bed turned over and the sun was coming up it had somehow taken me five hours to turn over and I had had no break in consciousness and no awareness of the amount of time. And I was wide awake and felt like crap. <laughs> no other way to explain it. <laughs> and and you had spider bites all over your body and and such. The whole the whole time we were there, I would get spider bites. And they were going, oh, there's spiders and they're living in the blankets. I looked over those blankets. There were no holes in them anywhere. Nobody else was getting spider bites, and they would be large whelps. As long as I didn't touch them, they were okay. If I touched them, they would be, they would itch. The first one I touched, and it itched like crazy. So I didn't touch them. Wow, because I because I read that there was like a mass abduction at Camp Vickery in 1969. Um, like, how how did you find that out and such? When I found out I was an abductee, and, and now I call myself a contactee because I actually have had contact with them lots of times, um, I went to a meeting thrown by a Dreamland Festival thrown by Whitley Strieber. I think it was in Memphis or whatever town Elvis was in, you know, no. when he was born or when he grew up. And <clears throat> I met a woman there who was... Uh, a nurse and she was studying hyp hypnosis and she she'd been doing it for quite a, a time she wanted to hypnotize abductees and work with them to help them get over trauma and stuff like that so i said i wanted to be uh, uh, hypnotized and see if i could remember some stuff so she did the last day, we got out a little bit early, so we went to her room or my room, I can't remember which, and she put me in a trance, and I said I wanted to remember if anything had happened at Camp Victory, and that's when I got into a deep trance with her, and suddenly I could see the, the camp was built around what had once been a pasture, so it was a big wide area with one street light. And in that wide area, there was a ship and they were getting out and getting the people from the cabins because there were five or six people in each cabin and they took them and lined them all up. And I believe that I asked one of the 
aliens, even though I didn't realize. I asked him if they were doing this because of me. And he said, oh, no, no. That doesn't have anything to do with it. We were going to be here anyway. So, and I don't know if they were alleviating me of guilt or telling the truth. And then that's all I, I think I remember we went on the ship, but that's basically all I can remember, at least right now. Wow. Because you made a report to MUFON in uh, July 18th, 2017. What made you contact them? And can you also, too, by the way, explain for those who don't know, what does MUFON stand for? And who are they? Mutual UFO Network, I think. And they're throughout the United States and maybe in other places now. And they take reports of of sightings of UFOs and of contact and mostly sightings, but they'll also take a report about um, someone being abducted. I think this was the one where I was driving in my car and the I was driving in my car. Oh yeah. I'd gone over to this friend's house and I was driving in my car home. We lived a quite a long way. And I um I suddenly realized, well, no, a black car, sort of a SUV, got in front of me, went around me and got in front of me, and it started going faster and faster. This happened even if it's not the right story. And I um, I started going faster. And I'm going, what, what is wrong with me? And why am I going faster? It's like but it's some compulsion. Or I thought, then I thought, I'm not even pressing down on the gas pedal. But my car was going the same speed as them. And then there were no street lights, hardly at all around us. I couldn't recognize anything. We, we went around a big, wide U-turn sort of curve in the road. And there's no curve in that road. The road I was on, Appleby Sand Road, is just a straight road. And then we were going. Then suddenly, if I'm confused, it's because it was confusing. Suddenly, it was gone. The car that was in front of me was gone. And I was I could see a light up ahead, and I was coming to a crossroad or a, a T. And I did. And there were arrows for both ways, which the ways the road go and a road number, and I wasn't even familiar with that road number, so I turned to the right, and I went on back, back to where this road went into another one, which was the road that went out to my friend's house, so I called him on my cell phone, and I told him what had happened, and he ended up telling me about seeing a, a UFO in a field, but uh, then I, I turned and went all the way. I was all the way back to town again. Then I went home. So I had 30 or 40 minutes that aren't accountable for. And when I got inside, not that night, but the next morning I found two punctures on my chin. Where if I shaved, and I usually did a little bit, I would see them. So they were right there and obvious. And that's when I called MUFON about them okay. and told them that I'd been abducted. And I told them I'd been abducted before. And they came out and talked to me, and one of them played good cop, and one of them played bad cop. And I just wanted to tell them my story. Yeah. So anyway, I did. And uh, they said that it sounded very credible, but unless I had a photograph of me standing with a UFO or with one of the aliens, they couldn't really say that it was true. But they said, but you don't seem like you're lying. Yeah. So yeah. that was, that was, I, they gave me a, a, a unknown or undeterminable. Of course. Which is fine. Yeah. You reported it. You know what, and that and that that's the main thing, right? Like what what they say, and after that point is a whole different story, anyways. Of course, right? 
So right. like, what do you think? Like, why do you personally think that? Cause there, I mean, there's gosh, there's like millions of stories of, you know, people getting abducted and their experiences and such like that. What do you think is the purpose of these beings, aliens and coming to the earth and, and doing the abductions? What do you really feel they are doing and why? Well, if a person, I don't know, first off, I don't know. I have some theories. I have one theory, especially. They are actually from a different vibratory rate than we are. And they have to lower their vibratory rate to come on earth and come in our house and pick us up and put us in a ship. And that's one reason they're always in a hurry. And when they take us onto the ship, they have raised our vibratory rate. And one thing you work in in meditation is to raise your vibratory rate. So one quality you get is you get psychic abilities. I think that they bring us in the ship more and more. We get psychic abilities, at least the seeds of them, and they grow some. And each time they take us, it's a little stronger. I don't know if that's the reason they do it. But that is one of the outcomes. Yeah. And I have heard, I can't remember the lady's name. She did a lot of tapes on it. She said the bruises are actually damaged to the body from our vibratory rate being raised so quickly and so high. But like their bruises go away in one or two days. In fact, when I find them in the morning, they already look three days old. I've got a bruise probably can't see it got a bruise on my hand that's been there five days and i did that yeah wow bang, banging it into something yeah because you have like nasal yeah because you have like nasal implants and, and solar plex adjustments yes what like the and the reason i know i have this is what happened about the nasal implant I had I had an inkling that I had uh, one in my eye and one in my head and probably one another one in my head up through my nose, but I didn't know what it would be for. One night I was watching, no. They cause a ringing in your ears. And I had gotten this CD that was supposed to cure... I can't remember the word for what, tinnitus. It's supposed to cure tinnitus. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe it'll cure an implant. Who knows? So I listened to that CD. You were supposed to listen to it once a day or three times a week. Well, I listened to it three times a day, every day. And one morning, my head was totally silent. The first time I'd ever remembered there was no sound in my head. And I was really overjoyed that it was gone. I um, sat down to watch TV. I was watching a television show, just a plain one, but one I liked. I can't remember what it was. And then all of a sudden, it was the halfway through the next show. Like somebody had cut the two and jammed them together and put it on the air. And my nose, my my head felt like it had been pumped full of air and it still had it in there. It was, and um, my nose burned as if something had been shoved up in my nose. And the tinnitus was back louder than it had ever been before. So I realized they had somehow appeared in the room and, and for for three days, I could breathe better than I've ever been able to breathe before. So they had put some kind of super antihistamine into my nose, into my nasal passages, and shoved something up in there and put in what I had broken. So I decided never to try breaking it again because it wouldn't be worth it. And... Uh, so they had come in my room, in my living room, and had done all that to me, and then had wiped out my memory of all of it, 
and left me with the the memory of the two shows being stitched together in the middle. And it was really loud. I thought it would be better in the morning. In the morning, it wasn't better. And it was either that night or the next night that I got into a meditative state. And I said, listen, you guys have messed up. You need to come adjust this because it's way too loud and I don't like it. I don't care if you're putting it in there, but I don't like this noise. Then once again, I started losing contact with everything, my heart, my breathing. But I suddenly it was like there were hands moving over my solar plexus. And I felt this octagonal-like shape rise out of me, and they rubbed on one side of it in a circular motion. And I started feeling a lot better, and the sound got lower, and then they brought it up just a little, and then they quit, and the whatever it was went right back. And I checked for it when I got out of there, and it wasn't there. So it was something non-physical like astral or something like that wow because i mean like you you have like such incredible experiences and and stories i mean gosh i i could talk to you for hours like literally you know and um if like if somebody wanted to like because i know you have a ton of information i've 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 read it and reviewed it even myself so if somebody wanted to like read your books and, and read more about you and such like that, what is the best way for them to do that or to contact you? You can get to the books on Amazon and they may be on some other bookstores, but the best way is just to type in my name, Byron Lacey, or you can go for the long title, Chosen Chronicles of an Alien Abductee. And it's in paperback and it's also electronic. And I think if you have Prime, you can actually get it free when you buy another book. And I still get paid. Uh, so that's one way you can get it. And you can yeah. contact me. You can get through to me on Facebook. I've got two, page, two Facebook pages. One of them is Byron Lacey Author, which I don't look at very much. So the other one is just my regular Facebook page, which is the easiest way to get to me. And then there's a third one that I don't remember what it is. <laughs> and there's a fourth one that belongs to somebody stole. Yeah. So it's been hijacked. Yeah. I mean, we'll put the links, you know, like below in, in the description box anyways, of course, where people can contact you and, you know, cause your resume is extensive. Like seriously, I could ask you a lot of questions and, you know, for those for those of you out there who would like to see Byron come back live and ask him some questions, let me know. Like, you know, make some comments below and, and let me know because you never know. Byron might very well come back in the new year and y'all can ask him some questions and such like that. And and I you know, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today, Byron. And and you know Thank hearing you. about like even just a little bit of your experiences i mean we could talk for hours and go over like all of your experiences because you've got so many so many right like if somebody went to you and said oh my gosh byron i i i know i've been abducted i oh my gosh what do i do like what would you say to that person well first i'm telling them there's nothing you can do if they want to take you, they're going to take you. If you were in a steel box welded shut, they would take you out of there because they just put you into a different dimension and pull you out. The The best thing to do is think about everything that's happened to you and see if you can find anything positive in the experience. Yeah. See if your uh, spirituality is increased or your, you know, it could be something you don't even relate to being abducted. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that that's amazing. And Byron, I'm I'm really happy that we had this opportunity to to have this chat today and even a little bit of an interview because we've only just really kind of scratched a little bit of surface here, right? So that's why you know I'd love to have you back on at another time and expand our our chat and our talk and such like that. It's extensive, you know. And I'd be glad to. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, and I and I want to thank everyone, of course, you know, who tunes into these weekly episodes and and make sure that you subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel in order to get notifications on these interviews and and my extraordinary guests who I call it, who I've interviewed and who is coming on. And if you think and if you feel you want to share one of your stories, by all means, reach out to me because you never know when I'm going to reach out and say, let's have a chat. Let's share your story and your experience with others. And I want to thank you again. I'm Jenny G. Cousins, host and producer of Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G. And again, I want to thank my extraordinary guest, Byron Lacey, for taking the time for coming on to today's show. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. Take care, everyone.